Yo, welcome people to the Virtual Real Estate Investing Podcast. Here to do a solo episode. I'm your host, Frank Scappatici. And uh, man, what a week. What a week. Um, we actually are getting, we've, every podcast, I feel like we're kicking it off and talking about how awesome things are going with our second quarter closing out. And we finally got our teeth kicked in a little bit um, yesterday. We, uh, we're closing on our fourth syndicated deal um, in the past two months. We had two facilities in Georgia under contract. Um, we'll get, I'm not going to get more specific into the market because um, I want to protect the deal. So I won't give too many details away. But we were basically a day away from closing, did all the work, raised all the money, paid for all the due diligence, third-party inspections, whatever. We we're just waiting on a survey, which is usually just a box check. We had no concerns about the property or one of the properties or any of them rather. And one of the surveys came back and uh, there's an issue and we cannot close. Um, so now, I don't know, we're going to probably wait a couple hours um, to figure out next steps with the seller, how we're going to resolve it. Do we close on one property and not the other? We got to figure out what's going on, what's up and what's down. But we uh, we definitely can't buy a property with our investor's money with the survey being screwed up. Like That's how uh, sponsors lose money and eventually get sued. So we're definitely going to pause, uh, but I'm probably going to wait till Monday. Um today's Friday, to communicate to investors just because I don't want to confuse them. And we have to figure out next steps today on how to move forward. But what does that mean for the sponsor, right? Like we we expect to get an acquisition fee. We have all this money on the street, right? Our earnest money is tied up. Uh, that's our money, all the inspections, the legal costs. My lawyer has been spending a lot of time um, as we have some more sophisticated investors that demanded legal attention. So my legal fees are really, really high or our legal fees are really high. So we got you know tens of thousands of dollars out of the street, probably close to between the EMD and all these other costs, probably close to 60, 70,000 bucks. You know, we we're I'm upper middle class, but I'm not in the stratosphere in terms of real estate investor wealth yet. So it's it sucks. Like it sucks. I'm not gonna get paid this month, you know. Um, so we finally got a little bad luck, uh, but I think we'll eventually resolve it. Um, it seems like the seller is a cool head. We all want to get the deal done, so maybe we'll get an easement. Maybe we'll close on one while we figure out the next steps in the other. We're going to figure it out, but we got our ass kicked a little bit yesterday by that. Sucks. But it also served as the inspiration for today's podcast. I um, That all happened yesterday. And then this morning, I was listening to the All In podcast, and Shamath and his buddies were talking about um, the recession that's apparently here, the Fed, and what's up, what's down, what's going on there. And uh, they talked about how long it would take to come out of a recession if it was a uh, supply side recession as well as a demand, um, as we're decreasing demand, blah, blah, blah. I'm too not enough smart enough to recap their entire podcast. But what I wanted to talk about today was for real estate investors and sponsors, people like us or a lot of our listeners and ourselves, how do you handle a recession? Because real estate investors have a little bit of a different situation than most people and a lot of other entrepreneurs. And I'll, I'll say... Two, I'll give two bullets as to the assumptions I'm making there. Um, one is your cash poor relative to your net worth. A lot of real estate investors have their net worth tied up in assets. We tend to buy expensive assets. If you're a commercial, most assets you own might be over a million bucks, might be all over 5 million bucks, might be over 10 million, right? Depending on your scale and your size. And your cash balance you know, if you're worth under $10 million, real estate investors early on in their career, right? That's a lot of money, right? But I'm, I'm just, I'm qualifying this. You tend to have less cash 
than someone else that's worth $10 million. And most of their stuff is in uh, equities and other stuff like that. You're definitely less liquid than they are, right? So that's one assumption I'm making for this discussion. You're, you're cash poor relative to your net worth. And I'm also assuming that you live a comfortable and nice lifestyle, but not ridiculous. You're not flying on jets every weekend and doing all the crazy stuff. So how do you handle a recession if you fit those two buckets, right? You're, you're generally financially good. You have good wealth, but you're not as cash heavy as most people. And you live a comfortable lifestyle, but not outlandish, right? Those are my two assumptions. So how do you, how do you handle that stuff? How do you deal with this shit? And like, I'm in this category, right? I, I have a decent size that's worth. My wife has a good job. Thank goodness. That allows me to take some of the risk with our real estate business. It also helps us um, qualify for some loans, to be honest. Um, and uh, I'm not worth 10 million, but I'm worth, uh, I won't get my net worth out, but I'm worth over 1 million, right? Um, and we live a comfortable lifestyle. We live in Pelham, New York, which is a great town. Uh, we have a country club membership um, and we have two cars. Like we're doing good, but um, I can't like buy a house cash, you know? So like, I fit in this bucket pretty well. Okay. So what do you have to do? Uh, one, as a real estate investor with interest rates where they are, we don't know when they're going to come back down, um, but there's a decent chance they go over six. They could even go over seven on uh, your loans. So what's going to happen to you? Well, any assets that you had planned to disposition, meaning you're going to sell them or you might refinance them, you, you have to assume at this point that you might have to hold them longer than you wanted, right? If you have a stabilized property or you have a property that's approaching stabilization, it's likely in your investor's best interest not to refinance that property into a 6% interest rate or a five and a half. I think you could still get like four, seven, five from credit unions and maybe four and a half um, in some cases, if you're a really, really good borrower and you have a unique situation, but a lot of people are getting quoted rates over five right now. So do you want to refinance into that? If you don't have to, maybe not, right? So you might have to hold things longer. What does that do to sponsors in the commercial real estate space? Well, we get paid on fees um, and those fees are really heavily tied to transactions getting done and transaction volumes going down. So what does that mean for sponsors? Our disposition fees are going to be collected less frequently because we're not going to be able to disposition our properties as at the same velocity as we did in 21 and 22. We are also potentially going to be buying less deals too. Like there might be great deals, but there's probably going to be less of them because people that are not in distress are going to hold assets longer, just like we are, just like we just talked about. So your acquisition fees, and disposition fees for sponsors, there's a, there's a decent chance at scale, they're going to go down and you we might be impacted by that. So we have to accept that. Um, so I don't, on the personal side, if you're a sponsor, how do you, how do you get ready for that? Well, the simplest answer, and I think the best answer is to get cash in your personal checking account, your specific property bank accounts, your reserves for your properties and whatever your operating entities bank account has in there. I want to, you want to spruce that up too. You want to increase there as well. So cash, cash, cash. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to use, a an example of um, a situation that I know in my town that happened actually at our country club, I'm referencing it again to, to kind of talk about like how you can cut expenses and get ready for all this shit. So I was talking to the general manager of our club um, a couple months ago, and I was really curious because we've had a lot of new members, right? The economy has been booming, booming. The upper class in the United States has accrued a ton of wealth over the last three years. And our membership at our club um, has skyrocketed. And they also doubled the initiation fees and all the other fees associated for the new members as well, right? Demand is just out of control. 
And um, now we're at like 570 members of this club, which is the most the club has ever had. Not a coincidence, the economy has been booming, right? So membership has increased, people have money. And I asked him, I was like, well, how much, how, what was our membership in 2010 after you know, the, the finance, we had obviously um, a huge recession in 2008, uh, triggered by real estate. And by 2010, people that had lost money started to realize that they were losing money, right? Like people were now in financial distress at that time. And the membership at the club was like 270, um, which is half of what it was today. So what does that, what does that tell me, right? That tells me that there was a lot of people because this probably happened across the whole country. There's a lot of people in the United States in the upper and middle class that wait too long to start cutting expenses. The, the whole country club at the, at the peak going from you know, the hundred percent memberships, 550 dropping down to 50% membership tells me that there was at this, at one particular club, there was 250 to 275 people that thought they were really well off and could buy something that's a total luxury and then shit at the fan, and they no longer could afford that luxury, right? That's a tough pill to swallow. It's a champagne problem for sure, but I bet you that there's a lot of pain amongst those 250 families. So what am I getting at? If you're a real estate investor, you, you have to accept a couple of things. If your cash flow from your properties is not high enough that it's really feeding your family directly into your personal bank account, and you're, you're heading into a recession, you, we need to be really aggressive with cutting our expenses, right? Like if, if my wife loses her job, which there's no sign that that's going to happen, but God forbid, let's say it does happen, right? Shit, it's the fan. I'm cutting and, and we haven't um, dispositioned some of our properties. So our cash flow is not as high on the sponsor side. I'm cutting that expense immediately. I'm not even going to wait until our bank account starts to get hurt because our, in, our salaries and our pay as sponsors, if it's not coming from cash flow, is not predictable enough to have too much luxury on my personal balance sheet. Like we we own a Chevy and a Volkswagen. I'm not, we're not fucking spending money on on uh, on G wagons until we have a couple exits. And I'm keeping my expenses relatively low, right? We'll also have to fire our nanny if one of us can't work and can't produce income. We're we're gonna one of us is gonna take care of those kids, right? Um, depending on how that all shakes out. Like I'm what I'm getting at is. We need to be ready as real estate investors to keep our balance sheet strong and cutting expenses if needed, right? Because our pay is not predictable. That's the downside of what we do. Monthly cash flow is predictable. Everything else is not. Um, the other thing I will maybe reflect on um, if you're a sponsor is this is a really good time to look at your fee structure. Um, we are going to make a change here as well. We had not charged AUM fees on our deals. AUM fees are like, let's say you have. Um, I don't know. Let's say uh, you could do it on um, capital managed. Let's say there's a million dollars of equity in a deal of investor equity. You might charge 1% of that million dollars per year to help you manage the assets. You could also base it off the total value of the assets against the purchase price. You could take a percentage. You could do whatever, whatever way you want. But um, the purpose of an AUM fee is to provide some residual or recurring monthly income to the sponsor to, uh, to help them run the business. Right. And you know, times have been really good. Sponsors and commercial real estate and owners have made a ton of money buying and selling properties. They've been able to charge high acquisition fees. They're doing a lot of transactions. They're getting disposition fees. But those fees, like we talked about before, are going to be more few and far in between and more seldom. So I think if you're a sponsor and you're not getting monthly income from asset center management fees, I think we're going to start to see why those fees make sense 
right? And if you're an investor, you're like, oh shit, I don't want to pay AUM fee. I don't want to pay another monthly or yearly fee to my sponsor to help them run the business. But it's like, hey man, um, if that sponsor was paying salaries for onshore employees with the expectation that they would be able to pay those salaries with fees, acquisition or disposition, or by profits from sales that no longer are going to exist, if they don't have AUM fees baked in, how are they going to pay their operations manager? How resilient is that company, right? If they're doing the property management in-house like we do, how resilient is a company that doesn't have any recurring revenue, right? And if they haven't refinanced the property and are not taking share in profits, they're making what, no money on a monthly basis or quarterly basis on that deal, unless you've worked it out where they get some monthly cash flow. That's a really, really big risk if they're going to go a couple of years you know, depending on how long this recession lasts or how long rates are high, that's a risk. So I think um, there's two ways to look at it. Like, yeah, as an LP or an investor, yeah, that 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 fee is going to cost you some money. But the other side of the coin is, is that sponsor going to be able to hold up without it, right? So I think you have to weigh that. There's a balance there that has to be um, that has to be struck. Um, but yeah, and uh, like it's it's regarding labor, like going back to what I said before, like keeping your staff um, situated as a sponsor, you know, it's, it's the offshore labor. You, you can afford it probably, but if you want onshore US-based labor, people making close to hundred grand or more, like you need some type of monthly income to afford that. Like paying a salary that big, waiting for a sale or exit, it's, that's a really, really tough, stressful position to be in. Um, I think that's all I had, right? So like, just to recap what we talked about today, like, Hey, for your average sponsor, real estate investor, right? Whoever you are, like, you, you don't have a W-2, you're completely on your own and you're, you're wealthy, but you're not cash rich yet, right? You're, you're, maybe you're in your 30s or your 20s. You're just not there yet. Um, you cut that expense, cut those expenses aggressively, right? Because I, um, I think this recession might last a while, right? If we actually do end up with a supply side recession and demand starts, or um, what the hell is the phrase? a recession caused by supply, I'm screwed up the phrase, whatever it is. And we also have decreasing demand with rates going up like that. That might take a couple of years to correct without getting too far into the weeds. So like cut those expenses quick, look at your fees, make sure you have some type of monthly income that's keeping your, your business afloat and uh, be, be, don't spend too much freaking money, get cash in the bank account. That's all I got for today. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. See you guys later. Peace.